Today, I want to talk about how, uh, how Paul sent a letter to Timothy to try to stir him up a little bit, all right? To, uh, to get him in the right place of where God could use him. So if you would, turn with me to 2 Timothy. Now, we need, to, we need to understand, Paul is writing to Timothy here. And he is in prison again for the second time. Uh, and it's not the good type of prison. There was one time that he was in prison before, and he was kind of in his own kind of rented house where he was just kind of under house arrest and had one guard, and people could come and go and visit with him as they pleased. Paul's different here in this one. He is in prison. He is, he is, he is in true prison. Um, he has seen He has seen believers like himself. He has seen those that he may have converted he has seen those that he has probably shared the gospel with that are now proclaiming the gospel. He has seen them uh, murdered uh, under the Roman rule uh, in horrific ways, horrific ways. Uh, they would put animal skins on them and, and let dogs chase them down, and they would die that way. They would uh, clothe them in garments full of that that was flammable, and they would just set set the Christians on fire. Uh, so Paul has seen this. Paul is in prison. Paul doesn't know exactly how his end is coming. So he's writing to Timothy because, listen, the gospel has still got to continue, right? Now, it's crazy for us to hear that because we get to freely share the gospel every week. Every week we get to come into this building Every week we get to come in here and we get to talk about Jesus. We get to sing praises about Jesus in a cool area sometimes, right? It's a little warm all ago. Uh, isn't it amazing that we have electronic devices and, and we've got three or four of us that can change the temp and none of us thought to cool it down in here this morning. <laughs> so thank God for technology that I can sit right there in that chair and turn some air conditioning on. Amen. But listen, we, we, we don't live in a time like Paul was living in back then. And one day we will. One day we still will. Uh, and praise God for that. Because the gospel got to us because of persecution. The gospel seems to thrive under persecution. Uh, the gospel seems to flutter out when it comes to comfortable people like us. It uh, seems to flutter down when we can shove so many things between us and God. When we own so much stuff and have so much stuff and can spend so much time away from, from the mission of God, uh, it seems to die down. And that's a sad thing because it, it, should, it, should, not, it, it, it should be proclaimed more in, in our country than anywhere else. It should be proclaimed in our town more than any other town. We have the means. We have resources. There should not be a church that struggles for anything. And there should not be a town that struggles for anything because the church should take care of the people. You see, but we are in a time, we are in a place, we are, we are a people that puts everything else but God first. Because we get comfortable. We get comfortable in the way we're living. 
we enjoy the things we, we have. And we strive for the things that we don't when God's given us what we need. So, so Paul, in this, is writing to Timothy because he knows that it's coming for Timothy. But he knows that the gospel needs to, to be proclaimed. So Paul writes in verse 6, and even before that, he, he's, he's writing to Timothy as a son because he has been discipling Timothy. Timothy has been with him, and, and he has been discipling Timothy, just like, just like with Lauren, where they're going, and, and there's going to be, they're going to be discipling one another. Paul has taken Timothy, and he has become his son, his son in the faith. And he's writing to him, and he says he loves him, and he says he misses him, and he, can't, he looks forward to the day that he can be with him again. He says, but I recall what, what keeps me going is I, I recall the faith that was in your grandmother and in your mother. And I am pretty satisfied as in you too. He says, but this, and he gets to verse 6 and he says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now, for those of us that get worried about what we're going to do and those of us that get nervous about doing anything for God and, and has said no to doing many things for God, has said yes to the things of this world but no to God, I want us to see that, that when we say no because we are scared, Paul says, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands for God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. You know, it says in the Bible 365 times, do not fear. One for every day. Right? Do not fear. Do not fear. Why? Because it says that he has given us a spirit, a power a power and a love of a sound mind. And since we do not have a spirit of fear, but we have a spirit of power, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Now listen, let's back up, okay? Do not be ashamed of the gospel, the gospel that is going to get you killed, Timothy. Do not be ashamed of the gospel that could get you burned to death. Do not be ashamed of the gospel that, that could get you covered in animal skins and, and chased down by dogs and eaten alive. Do not be ashamed of the gospel that could get you put upon a cross. Do not be ashamed of a gospel that could get you beheaded. Do not be ashamed of that. Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. And grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I, am, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him 
until that day. Until that day. You see, until that day that he will be taken somewhere to be murdered for what he believes. But he says, listen, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the gospel. I'm worried about, you see, because I know who I have trusted. Right? Is that us? Do we know who we have trusted? Have we been Thomas? Do, have we got to that point where we go, my Lord, my God, to Jesus? You see, because I tell you, if you don't know who Jesus is, and if you don't believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, you will never die for him. You wouldn't even come close for it, right? Hey, we see that in our, in our own town, we won't walk across the street for him. You see, and Paul's saying, listen, I'm going to go to the death. And I want you to be prepared for that too, Timothy. Right? We see that. He says, what I have committed to him. And now here's what I believe that Paul is talking about, that he has committed to him. That if we look in Romans 12, it says, lay down your body as a living sacrifice. Right? As a living sacrifice. Give him your body that is living. I'll tell you what. Let's just flip to that. Let's... uh... Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I should have asked right before we got going is, I should have asked this question. Do you guys believe that this is the Bible? Do you believe that it is the inspired word of God? Do you believe it? Let me ask again. Do you believe it? Do you believe that we should obey it? Okay. So let me go back to Romans 12. Let me go back to Romans 12. Let's let's read that again. Romans 12. Let me read it again. Now that I've got a group of people that say that they believe this Bible and that they believe what it says and that they are going to follow what it says and they're going to obey what it says, let me read, let me read 12 again. I beseech you, therefore, First Baptist Church, Lake City, Arkansas, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, you see, we say we believe it. Say we believe it. If I told you that if you walked out them doors right now and you mentioned anything about Jesus, that you could be murdered for it, would you still proclaim Jesus? Yes. That's what he's trying to get Timothy to be prepared for. He's, he's trying to prepare Timothy to be, prayer, be prepared for the uncomfortable. Be prepared for the uncomfortable, even unto death. Even if the uncomfortable comes to death, be ready for it. Be comfortable in it. But then he tells Timothy, he tells him how to do it. Right? Because he says, he 
says, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Say that with me. Power. Could you say that maybe with some power? The power of God. I mean, do we get that? Do we get that we have the power of the God, the power of the created, the one that created everything? The one that created dirt, the one that created one that created stars, created moons, created planets, created life, breathed life. We have his power. You see, that's the problem. We don't live like we have that. We live as though everything is under our power. That's where the amen goes. Because it's true. See, and that's what an amen is. An amen is that's right. For those of you that, that just happen to walk in here and never really been in church a whole lot, and you hear these, these folks going, Amen. And we go, what is that for? It's saying, hey, I agree with what you just said. (laughs) Right? It says that's right. You might as well be saying preach on preacher because you're telling it like it is. Right? So what's happening right here is it says that we have the power of God. Now, how how do we get this power? You see, because it's this power that has saved us and that has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. We believe this book, right? Because it was inspired by God. We believe what it says, right? We, we say that we're going to obey it. So then here's what we have to understand is that If you call yourself saved in this room today, you were called, you were saved, and you were called to a holy purpose. Let's back up. Let's say that again. You see, in the Bible, have you guys ever noticed how in the Bible, you know, in in like the, the old languages, there was not adjectives. You know, like where we would say something is really, 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 really good, right? We don't, we don't have that thing was awesome. What, what we would say in, in the Bible, it, it says it three times to get the point across. So I think sometimes we got to say things three times to get our point across, right? Because I know sometimes I say things and you guys walk out and you just don't remember them. I don't, I don't know why, but it happens. So I want to say that again. It says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, He didn't save you to do what you want to do. He saved us and he called us to a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. God had a plan for us before time began. It was just revealed when Jesus Christ came to this earth in the flesh. 
right? And that ought to prove that we, we have a plan. You see, now the scary part is we don't, we, don't know how to, we don't know how to go about that. We don't know how to live that life out. We don't know how to, to get this power, okay? So I want you to hang with me. This is how, listen, what, in Acts 1.8, you see, the whole book of Acts, that was a good one, right? How many was with us last summer where we went through the book of Acts? And we understand that the whole book of Acts is this. It, it was, it's how the Spirit of God was working in the people of God for the mission of God. That's the book of Acts. And it ought to be something to show us how we get the Spirit of God. Now, we remember at the very Acts 1.8, it says, hey, but remain here until, until what? Until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you receive what? You receive what? Power. Thank goodness, out of 200 of us, we could remember the power of God. That's, that's the homework for this week. I'm, I'm done. We're done preaching. Right? Acts 1.8, next week. All I want you to read is that, hey, wait until you receive the power of God. You see, that's why, that's why we don't even live like we got the power of God in us because we don't even, you see, there's the first thing. There's the first step. First step. How do we have the power of God? How do we have the Holy Spirit in us? Listen, the Holy Spirit come down upon us. It's there. The Holy Spirit is even here today. The Holy Spirit is always here. It's how we respond to it. It's how we let the Holy Spirit in, right? Let me tell you something. If you are full of yourself, the Holy Spirit's not going to nudge you out of the way. God doesn't do that. He wants you to get rid of yourself a little bit, and he'll start pouring the Holy Spirit into you, right? Now, how do we do that? Well, the first thing we got to do is we have to read the Word of God. Right? Just like with a while ago. We have to know what Acts 1.8 says. Now, can you imagine if Jesus, after he was baptized and he went off into the desert and he began being tempted by the devil, if he didn't know a lick of scripture? Could you imagine that? Boy, I bet you're hungry, Jesus. Why don't you turn those rocks to some bread? If he didn't know scripture, he'd probably go, man, that's a great idea. Right? That's what we would do. Well, if I got the power, that's a great idea. But you see, Jesus didn't do that. What did he say? He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Right? Every time the devil tempted him, what did he hit him back with? Scripture, the Word of God. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 says, put on the whole armor of God and have the sword. What is the sword? Hint. Hint. The Word of God. The Word of God for offense, for defense. If if you're going to let the Holy Spirit work inside of you, you've got to know the Word of God. Right? You got to be in it. You got to know it. You know, the other day I was driving a bus 
and was driving to Jonesboro. Now, how long does it take us to get to Jonesboro? 20 minutes? 20, 25 solid minutes of driving, right? Radio was on. Guess what I did? I sang every word to every song that came on, right? Anybody that knows me, you know that when we, when we have a conversation, some song lyric's going to come up, right? I know more words to more songs than you could imagine, and so do you. Lauren will probably remember one time in youth, I asked if anybody knew any songs, and they got up and they recited a whole song. And I said, now give me three verses out of the Bible. Couldn't do it. What if I pulled that on you today? Right? If I said, hey, give me the lyrics of a song. Tell me your favorite song, and I'll start singing it for me. You'd just break off and you'd start singing it. Probably not good like me, but you'd start singing it. Right? But we're talking about words. We're not talking about pitch and tone right now. Right? You see, but you can sit and you could probably see. Hey, I tell you what. I've seen people recite more statistics of sports that would just blow your mind. How many times has guys stood around and talked for 30 minutes about statistics of this team, that team, and could tell you everything about them? Hey, when basketball's going on, you could have somebody tell you about 47 teams. Guess what? You're not going to need a bit of that in heaven. God will never ask you the statistics of a team down here. Unless it was his. Right? We got to know the word of God. We have to believe the word of God. Not only do you have to know it, you have to believe it. Believe it. Right? This says, while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. I got to believe that. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever, including me, that I wouldn't be perish if I believed in that. I got to believe it be quite honest, you could know the Bible from front to back, but if you didn't believe any of it, it's all for nothing. A lot like those uh, sports t- statistics. It's really all for nothing. It's a lot like song lyrics. It's all for nothing. In the whole big scheme of things. Right? We have to believe the word of God. And then we got to be, we got to pray to be filled. How many of us has prayed this week to be filled with the Spirit of God? Be filled. You know, if we pray and it's in the will of God, He'll give us whatever it is. We know that? We got to say yes because it's in there. Right? And we got to believe it because it's in there. That if we ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit, and we begin making some room for that Holy Spirit, that He'll fill us. Right? I can't tell you how many times on Sunday mornings I feel so inadequate to get up in front of you and to preach the Word of God. 
And while Steve is praying his prayer, I turn around and all I can do is pray for God to fill me with his Holy Spirit in that moment because I can't do it at that moment. Because I am so nervous at that point that sometimes my mind is so jumbled that I don't even know what I'm going to say first. So I'll turn around and all I can do is pray for God to take over, to fill me in that moment. We have to pray for that daily, daily. Now here's the tough one. Here's the last one and here's the tough one. Not only do we have to know what Scripture says, not only do we have to believe what Scripture says, and not only do we need to pray for God to fill us with His Holy Spirit, we have to be ready for this, to do whatever He tells us. Right? Because again, if we know that Bible from front to back, from Genesis 1 to Revelation, the end of the Bible, If we know it, if we say we believe it, and we ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but then we ignore the Holy Spirit, it's all for nothing. See, I think that's probably why we don't pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us. Because we're afraid of what God's going to do. Now, I tell you, that's why I think that we don't, because I have done it. Ooh, I'm not going to pray about that. Mm-mm. Hey, Rick, would you pray about this? I, you know, I'm really sensing maybe God could be using you. Mm-mm. Ain't praying that. I know my God. If I begin praying about it, he's going to tell me to do it. Right? I've done that many a times. But I'm trying to learn that, hey, if he tells you to be a Sunday school teacher even though you are scared to death that everybody's going to know more of the Bible than you, that you're going to look like a fool in front of them, just do it. Just do it. Just take a step. Be uncomfortable in the comfortable. Hey, when when all of a sudden you get a chance to, to be in front of some students and you preach, and God kind of prompts you that maybe that's what he wants you to do, don't be scared. Just do it. Hey, when God says, hey, I want you to preach for me. I want you, to, I want you to, to, to lead some people. And to lead doesn't mean manage, but lead means to be in front with them and go with them. I want you to lead some people to be different. I want you to lead a group of people that stand out from everybody in Lake City. Because they love people. When it doesn't make sense. Because they surround their lives around the mission of God and not around their own wants. I want you to lead them into that. If you get that call, just do it. Even if you're scared to death, just do it. Right? Because God's going to be faithful. Faithful. Hey, if he tells you to... Hey, if he just tells you to start changing light bulbs around the church, be faithful. Even if you go, God, I don't like getting on a ladder. Just do it. All right? If he says, hey, I want you to, I want you to be a greeter out front. I want you to be the first person that people see every Sunday. 
so that when people visit, you're going to be the first person they see. If you go, I'm not that kind of guy that can talk, or I'm not that type of gal that can do that, just do it. Holy Spirit prompts you, do it. Do it. Why? Because he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. And grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul said, commit yourself as living sacrifices. Why? Because Jesus did that for us. You wouldn't even be alive today if it was not for him. So in turn, we flip around and we do the same. To be quite honest, it's the only reason you was saved. Right? He saved you for purpose. 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 And 99.9% of the time, when you begin your purpose, you're going to be uncomfortable. But we are called to be what? Comfortable in the what? Uncomfortable. Let me tell you something. It is time that we quit chasing after the world and we start being the church. You see, but we can't do that as a whole on just a Sunday morning. You know what's got to happen? Individuals have to lay down their lives. Individuals, you see, you have to do that between you and God. I can't read your Bible for you. I can't make you believe what it says. I can't pray for you. Well, I can pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's really doesn't, it's not going to work that way. You've got to pray. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because just because I want it for you doesn't mean that God's going to give it to you. You have to want it. And then you have to be obedient. I can't make you be obedient. It's pretty evident. Right? We'd be blowing this town up if I if I got to choose that. So today, let us pray. Let us pray that we begin reading the word of God, to believe the word of God, to be filled by the Holy Spirit, and to be obedient to that.